Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Hi, I'm your host, Alondra Perez. Today, we will be discussing healthy peer relationships with Caroline McGuire. Welcome, Caroline. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I am a social skills expert. I work with teenagers and tweens and young adults and anybody basically who needs help figuring out how, how do you manage social relationships? And I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Why Will No One Play With Me? And I really, really try to help people figure out how do you do this, not just talk about it. Thank you, Caroline. To start off, what are the components of a healthy peer relationship? I think we have to think of any relationship as having reciprocity, right? It should be back and forth. There should be some level of mutual feelings expressed. And I think it really is important that you feel like the relationship is enjoyable and that it's not something that's asking you to feel strained or drained and that you're there for them and they're there for you. Many teens and young adults with ADHD have social skills challenges. Can you talk about how to form healthy relationships? I think that the biggest thing about having a healthy relationship is that you have to have many relationships you're nurturing so that you're not dependent on one person, so that you have different relationships and friendships for different reasons, right? So that you can explore how people are treating you, how enjoyable your relationships are. It's so true that you have different relationships for different reasons. And many times with ADHD, we, we forget to recognize that there's different levels of intimacy. There's different things we do with different people. And we kind of want everybody to feel like this great bond with us. But that's not really the reality. The reality is we have acquaintances or buddies and you have people you're closer to. And I think that because we struggle sometimes with with social and self-regulation and, you know, talking too much or talking too little, that we tend to get in our own heads. So the biggest thing to me about a healthy relationship is that it has to be enjoyable and it has to make you feel good. And the more people that you're kind of nurturing and working with and seeing and having shared experiences with, the more you can decide if a relationship isn't working for you, that you're going to distance yourself. It's You're not trapped. How about unhealthy peer relationships? What are the signs? You know, I had a, an example that I thought of for this podcast of one of the the teenagers that I work with, or, or actually a few of them. A sign of an unhealthy relationship is if you're always giving to someone else and they're always taking from you or if they treat you different in different environments, right? You're with them and they feel great and you have a great time. And then when there's a third person around, you know, they don't make eye contact with you. They really are all about everybody else. An unhealthy relationship is something that you look at and you think, wow, you know, I'm always giving to them when I need them. They're not here, that they're saying unkind things to you, um, that they kind of don't love and accept you for who you are versus somebody who, you know, maybe they tell you the truth and they know who you are, 
but they also know the great things about you. And I think a lot of times because of our ADHD, we get ourselves into situations where we are in unhealthy relationships and it's good to have the knowledge that you don't have to stay there. And how can a teen or young adult handle an unhealthy relationship? I think just going back, you know, a lot of the teenagers that I work with um, are struggling with it being this big breakup, right? And I think that's where we with our ADHD kind of think of things as all or nothing. One way to handle it is to have people you do have a healthy relationship and confide in and to maybe distance yourself. Does it have to be a big dramatic breakup or can you just distance yourself and spend less time with that person? And can you also set boundaries, right? Can you say when they don't treat you well, can you say something to them and do you feel comfortable saying something to them? And then also to have other people in your life who you do feel support from is really, I think, one of the ways to navigate out of these relationships. So now we're going to turn to some questions that we have received. The first one being, I'm impulsive and often my friends laugh at my impulsivity. How do I know if I have real friends or peers who just hang around for the laughs? That's a good one. I think that if someone just hangs around for the laughs, they're only there when you're funny, right? And so if you had a more serious issue or something going on, they're not necessarily going to listen. That doesn't also mean you have to like ban them from your life. It just means you know what the relationship is, right? So we have different relationships for different reasons. We have different levels of intimacy and different levels of support. I think that sometimes people get into the the mindset that it has to be all or nothing. If you have a couple of people who are there for you, you definitely want that. And you want to have the distinction of knowing like, hey, this other person isn't here for me. Not everybody is going to offer you the same level of support. How you know is by actually trying to confide in people and seeing if they will support you and talk through your issues or if they're only there for the laughs. Sometimes my ADHD holds me back from being myself. I have found that it's harder to make friends because I feel like people are being critical of me. What can I do? Yeah, I think one of the things about ADHD is that we develop sort of a negative inner talk track sometimes. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? Is that you're feeling like people are being critical. And then that means that you can't really be yourself. So there's a couple things to ask yourself. Is there any evidence that they're being critical or is that a story you're telling yourself, right? Because sometimes people say things and you can look and you can go, map, they said these critical things. And sometimes we perceive them as slighting us or being critical. And it's something that we have this inner negative voice. That's the first thing, right? And then Part of this is anxiety, right? It's this worry about being criticized or your behavior not being what other people want. I think one of the biggest things is to practice being social and using strategies to actually manage that anxiety. And by the way, the more you do it, the more you are yourself, the more you find people who you share experiences with and who are like you and who think like you, and who you enjoy, the more you will be able to let your guard down. So it's almost like more social makes you more comfortable, which makes you more able to be yourself. But I think that inner voice is a key 
and to quiet that. Because a lot of times there's actually no evidence or we are worried, right, that someone's criticizing us. What are some strategies for decreasing that anxiety so that a young adult can be able to practice being social? First thing you have to do is to figure out what makes you feel stressed and anxious. What are your triggers and what are the things, environments, people, you know, certain people can make us feel stressed and anxious and make it worse, right? A lot of my clients, we have a pregame kind of thing, something that they do to actually calm them down that will allow them to feel good as they go into a social situation. So just thinking about the brain, right? Your brain is ancient. It thinks that things are coming at you, right? Whenever there's a stress, it doesn't make the distinction that that stress is school. It thinks like something is threatening you and it just like ancient times goes into actually protecting you and that's how you go into fight, flight or freeze. So part of this is to have a pregame where you actually do things like deep breathing, going into a Zen corner, saying something to yourself, making sure you're more grounded and centered so that as you feel stress, your brain is less likely to like trigger itself into fight, flight, or freeze. The other thing is when you're in the actual social situation, to have thought it through and have some things you can sort of say to yourself or do that will will allow you to sort of decrease that level of stress and bring yourself back to more centered. And it might be that you go to the, the bathroom for a minute and you like do some deep breathing. There are techniques out there. One is called havening where you actually like just rub your hands together and nobody will ever notice. Um, it, it's on YouTube. It's a scientifically proven self-regulation strategy and it actually helps to quiet the thalamus, which is that alert alarm system and the amygdala. And all you're doing is like rubbing your hands together and no will ever notice. Those kind of things are really good because you can do them while you're talking and being with people as opposed to things you have to like step away. But don't be afraid to have a step away strategy because no one will really notice if you step away once. So here's another question that we received. My friends are doing things that they shouldn't like drinking or taking drugs. Should I still be friends with them? I'm afraid they will pressure me into doing drugs too. You know, I don't claim to be an expert in anything around drugs, but there's a lot of research that shows that if you have an out plan, it actually prevents you from doing drugs and starting down that road. And I think that you want to have friends with shared values, right? You want to have friends you can be comfortable around and who are like you. So I feel like you kind of know the answer, right? You're already saying like, maybe I shouldn't be friends with them and maybe I should have people who are more like me. And I think that you can distance yourself and you can start to join other stuff and meet other people and find people who are more like you and who you're more comfortable with and you don't have to worry about that pressure. Is there anything else that you would like to share that may be helpful? I think as hard as it is, practice makes things feel better, right? Practice makes better. And the more you practice and you have social opportunities, the more you join stuff and the more you are with people and you feel like you have options, 
the less you are likely to be in unhealthy relationships because you have multiple people in your life to turn to and you have multiple people to be friends with and you have people who understand you. And so I know this is like the toughest part. I totally get that. But I think what I find as I work with hundreds of teenagers is that having no one to to turn to is really horrendous. It makes you feel trapped. And so it's like, I know it causes anxiety, but to, but to use strategies so that you can practice and be social gives you more options and leads to you having better friendships. That's great. Thank you for joining us today, Caroline. Thank you. This podcast was sponsored by Takeda. Better health, brighter future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. 